Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. What's well, a weird place to be in, and whether we're fooling ourselves or not, the turn of the new year marks a rite of passage in our culture, a time where at least for a moment, things really do feel different. Things really do feel possible. The gym is full of people that you've never seen there before. The fridge is full of green stuff. The alarm clock is going off earlier in the day. The TV is on less. But this year, though the endless year of 2020 is mercifully and finally turning into 2021, There's going to be, at least for a time, more of the same. But here's the thing. I think we can turn our attention to Jesus to see how he might be helping us, not just to move on, not simply to turn the page and act like, wow, 2020 was terrible, so glad that's over, act like it never happened, but to heal, to thoroughly process to allow ourselves to experience the weight of 2020 and then respond with a life of beautiful devotion. In March of this year, two weeks after the pandemic shut us down completely and really shut down the world, I taught from John chapter 11. And what for me is one of the most powerful texts in all of the library of scripture. And what I want to do today, as we turn the calendar towards 2021, what I want to do is sort of bookend this year of 2020, this season in in the life of our church, by turning back to this incredible passage. I want to look at the next movement in the story as Mary responds to Jesus to see how God might be calling you and I and us as Ecclesia to turn our attention, our devotion, and to follow after Jesus into the next season of our lives. I want to give you a brief summary of the story as a way of recap. In John chapter 11, Jesus has received a message that Lazarus, his dear friend, and the brother of Martha and Mary is ill. They're worried that he's going to die. But Jesus, having received the message and being a couple days journey away from Bethany, where Lazarus lived, doesn't immediately move towards Lazarus. Instead, he stays where he's at. And in the meantime, Lazarus succumbs to his illness. As Jesus arrives on the scene, mourners have surrounded the family to be with them in their grief. Both Martha and Mary hear that Jesus has arrived, but only Martha can bring herself to go and to face Jesus. Mary is too overcome with grief and possibly anger at Jesus to approach him. The sisters both say this phrase, interestingly. They both say to Jesus upon speaking to him, Lord, if only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. There's a hint of accusation in this statement. Basically, they are asking the question, what took you so long? Eventually, Mary comes to face Jesus, but she is still wrecked with sadness. She kneels at Jesus' feet, struggling to lift up her head, struggling to even look him in the eye. She's weeping. She's distraught. 
And the text tells us in John chapter 11 that Jesus is deeply moved by the pain of his dear friend. He doesn't say anything to Mary. He doesn't say, oh no, it will all be okay. He doesn't say, everything happens for a reason. He doesn't even say to her, look what I'm about to do. We could learn a lot from the way that Jesus approaches his friend in pain, in grieving. Jesus simply is with Mary in her anguish. As he stands with Mary, kneeling in front of him, the Word of God, the one who made the world, in the shortest verse in all the Bible, John tells us that Jesus, in response to his dear friend's pain, simply wept. The tears of Jesus, God with us, entering into the pain of the moment, display both the depth of God's love for us, suffering alongside us, and the boundless width of his power. The tears of Jesus fall to the earth at Bethany, providing the rain that will water his mighty word, producing a harvest of resurrection. Jesus wept. For me... The whole gospel is contained in these short yet endless words. Jesus asked the question, upon his viewing of the grief of Mary, he asked the question, where has the body of Lazarus been laid? And then he is led to the tomb. He stands outside the tomb and calls in the commanding voice of resurrection power, of unfailing love. He says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus emerges miraculously, stunningly. He emerges from the tomb covered in grave clothes and Jesus instructs them to take those off. Lazarus won't be needing those for a while. This is an incredible scene and I want to consider it as we book in this teaching. I want to consider it from the vantage point of Mary this morning. At the beginning of chapter 11 where this story is found, it says that Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. That's in verse 2 of John chapter 11. Now, this story that John references in John chapter 11, verse 2, doesn't actually take place until John chapter 12. What John wants us to see is he wants us to see that there is a connection between these two stories. It's important that we remember that Mary is the one who responds to Jesus in the way that we are about to see. John wants us to draw the connection, the thread between these two stories and what they reflect about our beautiful Savior. Mary's responses in these two stories reflect a couple of things. First, in the Lazarus story, Mary is undone. She lays out all her pain before Jesus. Listen, I know it's easy to get caught up in the, in the miraculous outcome, the results. And we should never lose wonder at the thought that Jesus raised a man from the dead. But Jesus is not interested in divine fireworks. He's not interested in showing his might, showing his power. He says earlier in the Gospel of John, he says, Even if you see a person raised from the dead, you still would not believe. Perhaps the miracle... In John chapter 11, in the Lazarus story, is not just that Lazarus receives his life back again. Perhaps the miracle is Jesus weeping with Mary. 
Just as Jesus' first miracle in the Gospel of John is turning water into wine, now he is transfiguring the water from his tears into the new wine of God with us, Emmanuel, God saving us. And the question that underlies the whole encounter between Jesus and Mary in the account of Lazarus is this. Can God be trusted Can he be trusted with my pain? Can God be trusted with my disappointments, my dreams deferred, delayed, or flat out destroyed? What a question. As we come to the end of 2020, as we turn the page to 2021, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted with my brokenness? Jesus in John 11 and Jesus on the cross will show us that God is not just the God who is big enough to raise the dead, to literally bring the dead back to life. God is the God who is big enough to climb down into the grave with us. Jesus wept. Ecclesia, I know for many of us this past year, with its isolation, with its uncertainty, with its disruption, with the ways that our lives have been disoriented and rerouted in ways that we don't even know yet, we can't just move on to the next thing because the calendar says that we should. We have to allow ourselves to grieve the season that was, to sit in the pain, to be willing to voice the complaint to God, if only you would have been here This is beyond the scope of Mary's interaction with Jesus, but it does land on us in a way of interpreting and bringing Mary's interaction with Jesus into our circumstances. But it's possible that 2020 has not been a year that you would point to that has deepened your affection for Jesus. It's possible that as you endured the events of 2020, that you have fallen into habits of being disconnected from God without regularly encountering Him in worship, without turning your heart towards Him, without regularly encountering God's Word, without community, it's possible that you, in many ways, have failed at being a disciple, an apprentice, as we talk about here at Ecclesia, an apprentice to Jesus, is another way of saying a disciple. An apprentice is somebody who is with the master and watches what the master does. Jesus calls us to be his disciples, his apprentices. And it's possible that during the course of the events of 2020, you've just been coasting. You've been on autopilot. And the question that you may need to ask is, can I trust you? Can I trust Jesus with my failure? Ecclesia, it's also possible that you have fallen into broken and destructive habits. It's possible that you are feeling trapped by sinful behaviors and thoughts that you don't know how you ended up where you are, that the life that you are mourning now is the life that you wanted for yourself. And the question remains, can I trust Jesus with my failure, with my darkness, with my brokenness, with my sin? And the answer is, From John's Gospel, meeting us here, right now, at the beginning of 2021, is Jesus wept. Jesus, God, with us, entering into our struggle, into our pain, into those places where it seems like no new life could break forth. Jesus came, and he sat in the ruins of sin and death and brokenness. He is God with us. And I want to invite you, Not to move on too quickly from the year that was 2020, 
I want to invite you as a practice this week to do a recap of the year. Where did you feel like God came up short? Where are you feeling like, Lord, if you only would have been here, something would have been different? Where do you feel like your life got off track? What are some habits that emerged in your life that you would like to leave behind as you move into 2021? And also, not just the brokenness, not just the strains, the threads that, that we see are unraveling, but also where was there surprising goodness? Where was there a joy that pushed back against the narratives of hopelessness, against the narratives of doom? Where was God meeting you and showing you his goodness? Bessel van der Kolk in his seminal The Body Keeps the Score writes, Neuroscience research shows that the only way we can change the way we feel is by becoming aware of our inner experience and learning to befriend what is going on inside of ourselves. And culturally, we've become more uh, fluent in this language of being emotionally healthy, being emotionally aware, but we still, we still have this urging, ur urgency to turn the page and even reading this story of Lazarus, we can fast forward to the end. You know, why does Jesus weep? He knows what he's going to do, right? He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but pay attention. Jesus, throughout this story, from the very beginning, is in no hurry. When he receives news that his friend is ill, he is in no hurry. When he sits in front of the pain of his dear friends Martha and Mary, he is in no hurry. He sits with the grieving sisters and he patiently enters into the pain of the moment. And we have to be do, willing to do this in our own lives and in the lives of those we are blessed to walk with. And in the aftermath of this incredible scene, we move to the connected story in John chapter 12. Jesus is at dinner at Lazarus' house when Mary walks into the room with an alabaster jar of perfume that was worth a year's wages. This bottle of perfume had likely been given to Mary by her father to save for her own wedding day, a gift to her own groom. And the only way to access the perfume was to break open the jar, symbolizing in Mary's life that once she broke the seal, that she was inexorably linked to her husband forever. And the jar was broken. But Mary... Instead of reserving this jar for her own wedding day, takes this precious jar, this jar that is worth so much in this scarcity economy, and breaks it open in abundance at the feet of Jesus, using her hair as a towel to spread out the perfume on his feet. And you have to understand, Jesus is sitting in a room full of people, and they are all aghast at what's going on. For this woman, Mary, to pull down her hair in the presence of men in this society was suggestive. But there's nothing, absolutely nothing sexual going on in this scene. And when we think back to the scene of John chapter 11, we remember that Mary had experienced the brokenness of losing everything. Her brother was dead. There was no hope. There was no uh, surprise ending that was going to come stay for Jesus being there. But Jesus met her in her pain. He brought what was dead to life. For Mary, the answer to that question, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted with her pain was a resounding yes in the tears and the voice and the powerful call of Jesus. And now, 
Mary, in John chapter 12, is declaring that Jesus is worthy of every ounce of her devotion. She pours out her treasure, her worship, her thanksgiving. She pours out her reputation at the feet of Jesus. Jesus made the ruins come to life. He made the valley of bones spring up. And she, in response to this incredible gift, offers every part of herself to follow and worship Jesus. Ecclesia 2020, for so many of us, feels like a broken jar. Things that we thought were going to happen, plans that we had made, relationships we had hoped to nurture or to start, business ventures that are on life support. But God shows us through these incredible stories in John chapter 11 and chapter 12 that our brokenness doesn't just have to be shards of disappointment shattered on the ground. Lord, if you only would have been here, but through the incredible love of God, God with us, even that which seems like it is buried in the grave can come to life again. And I wonder if Mary never would have experienced the valley of the shadow of death, of mourning the life of her brother, if she would have known that Jesus was worthy in this way. Now, Ecclesia, listen to me. I'm not saying that Jesus puts us through these heart-wrenching situations in order to show us his goodness. No, Jesus enters into our pain. There's such an important lesson there. But the beauty and the incredible story of the gospel is that even when it seems like all hope is lost, Jesus is drawing near to us and drawing us to himself. The ancient Japanese art of kintsuji involves not just restoring broken teapots and cups to their original form, but through the use of gold to join the broken pieces together, kintsuji actually transfigures that which is broken into something more beautiful, something new. And the tears of Jesus are the gold that pieces our lives back together. And Mary shows us our only response to this incredible love, to this hope that reaches down into the grave, is to break all of our jars of devotion at the feet of Jesus, to trust him not only with our trauma, but with our treasure. There is a way forward, a way forward into 2021, Though it doesn't mean that everything's magically going to be different now, but a way forward into an undaunted hope that is waiting for us. But first, we must pause. We must see the wonder of God with us, God suffering with us and for us in our pain, God suffering for us on the cross, and by going to the grave, forever disarming the power of death, exhausting it completely and eternally. Ecclesia, I can't promise you that whatever is causing you anguish in this moment will be given back to you in the exact way that you want it on this side of eternity. I would never make that promise. I know we struggle with the disconnect that we often experience with this story. Yeah, Mary, of course she she feels this devotion to Jesus. She got her brother raised from the dead. I lost somebody. I didn't have that experience. I know there's a disconnect there. But what I want for you today what I can promise you is that our pain, our suffering, is the way that God comes to us. 
that, that our painful moments, that the things that find us completely not knowing which way to turn next are the seeds of God's presence, watered anew by the tears of Jesus, God with us, and that in his power and in his time, he will resurrect all the dead things in us. All that is lost will be gathered together again, will be transfigured and made new. In Mark's telling of this story, where Mary pours out the perfume on Jesus' feet, Jesus remarks to all that are assembled there that what Mary has done will be remembered forever, that the story will be told again and again. And the beauty of that promise is that it has. The scandalous act of devotion to Jesus has been immortalized in the library of scriptures, has provided endless inspiration throughout the ages. John writes of the perfume that Mary poured out that it filled the room. In Ecclesia, our broken jars of devotion is spread out at the feet of Jesus, become a seed proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, that in his power, that, that our small lives, our small acts of devotion are saying yes, that we can trust him with our lives and us being willing to do that in front of other people will echo throughout history. Paul, in reflecting on this incredible paradox the way that Jesus comes to meet us in the middle of our mess, the way that Jesus comes to us with our broken lives, reflects in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, We have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Nicosia. This is what we need in this moment that calls for not just hope, not just optimism, but transformation. God's power to meet us in a way that is new and profound and brings us back to life. We have this treasure in jars of clay. And 2020 was a difficult year for all of us. But God is still coming to us, still weeping beside us, still calling us to follow him, to live his story with our devotion, our treasure, our affection. Ecclesia, you can trust God with your pain. You don't have to move too quickly beyond it. You don't have to minimize it or act like it didn't happen. But at the end of your rope, when all seems lost, you will find Jesus there. He will be there with his love, his resurrection power, and his invitation to follow him. He will turn the brokenness of our lives of, into, into broken jars of hope and worship. His tears will turn the water into wine again. We have this treasure in jars of clay, the eternal hope of glory, God with us. He is transforming us into messengers of his gospel. He is transfiguring our pain into something beautiful, and he will help us turn the page toward his purposes and love. I want to invite you as we close our time of teaching this morning. I want to invite you. Just to simply allow those things to come to mind. Whatever the first thing that comes to mind is. That's causing you uncertainty. That's causing you pain. That's causing you shame. And I want to invite you to just evaluate that question. In light of the story that we've read, I pray that it has stirred your heart, your imagination, your mind. But in light of this story about Jesus, in light of God with us, weeping with us, to answer the question... 
Can God be trusted with this? And here's the beauty. If he can, if he can be trusted with your brokenness, with your shame, with your despair, then perhaps he's doing the work of resurrection right here and right now in the midst of your life. I think the answer is yes. And I want to promise you that as often as you extend your pain, as often as you allow God to be God with you, he will come to you and he will make all things new. Grace and peace to you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.